The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. President Trump's inauguration drew massive crowds of protesters. Demonstrations in downtown D.C. turned violent and police used pepper spray and flashbang grenades. The American Civil Liberties Union is suing the D.C. police, accusing them of arresting innocent protesters using pepper spray and explosive devices without justification, mistreating those arrested and holding some protesters for as long as 60 hours without food, water or bathroom facilities, among other claims. Joining me to discuss this suit and the legal saga surrounding the Inauguration Day protests is former federal prosecutor George Newhouse, a partner at Denton's. George the lawsuit lists 16 different claims against Metropolitan Police, including assault and battery, false arrest, and excessive use of force. Will you describe some of the claims? Absolutely, June. Uh, again, as you correctly described, the um, arrests of over 200 people arose from a, a, a violent demonstration that occurred on January 20th, at about the same time that the inauguration was going on. Uh, the D.C. police had, obviously, to respond to um, violence uh, and what, what was described uh, tongue-in-cheek in the complaint as some vandalism. In fact, it was the violent destruction of property um, created by a, a very large crowd of people, some of whom are self-described anarchists. So um, uh, people were arrested. One of the more interesting techniques is apparently they herded a small group, uh, but several hundred people, uh, into an area that the complaint describes as a kettle. Basically, they were um, rounded up like cattle and held in a closed area for a, a substantial duration of time. And the complaint basically alleges uh, civil rights violations, which is a federal statute that allows citizens to sue uh, public officials when they um, allegedly violate your constitutional rights. The rights in this case, according to the complaint, was the First Amendment right to peaceably assemble. So you have a classic clash. The police have a duty and a responsibility to protect the public and private property. And these individuals, um, some of whom are in fact have been charged with crimes, uh, claim that they were being um, punished by the police for exercising their First Amendment rights. So as you mentioned, more than 200 people have been indicted by a grand jury for rioting and conspiracy to damage property, including a few of the plaintiffs in this case. Police say they used necessary force against the rioters who damaged property and injured police officers. So there was also, there's a group of rioters who are demonstrating violently and some that are demonstrating peacefully. Is the police use of necessary force a complete defense here, a partial defense? Well, re really, June, you put your finger on it. That's going to be the factual uh, question I think the court will have to, um, to sort out, which is, was the use of force by the police? And they clearly anticipated that there were going to be arrests because this 
uh, area, the kettle, the so-called kettle that they herded the people into, uh, had, was obviously pre-designed. It is interesting if you read the complaint because they describe the ACLU, which is handling the case on behalf of these alleged um, protesters. Um, they, they herded them into this area and then held them for up to seven hours in, in circumstances that were, shall we say, less than pleasant. Um, but again, this is a situation that the police didn't design. They didn't uh, want anyone to commit crimes, and they have a duty to protect the public. So it's really going to be one of these questions about were their tactics um, appropriate. One thing that's interesting is in the complaint is what you don't hear about. You don't hear about police firing their weapons. You don't hear about the use of, of uh, nightsticks. Uh, in fact, apparently, according to the complaint, no one was actually injured, which is to say shot or otherwise injured, other than, ironically, a police officer who was hit in the head uh, by concrete. So it's, a, again, a very interesting and, um, I think, uh, factual issue that the court will have to sort out. George, the D.C. Police Complaints Board sent monitors to watch how the officers handled the demonstrations, and they issued a report in last February that raised concerns, for example, that police used pepper spray and sting grenades to disperse the crowds instead of in response to unlawful actions and the arrest procedures. Will that be part of the proof at trial? that report? Uh, absolutely. I, well, the, the report will not, but the, but the perceptions of the observers, and one of the interesting issues raised in the complaint is that is this allegation that pepper spray was not used to control the crowd or to, uh, to stop someone from committing a crime, uh, but really to punish uh, the protesters, uh, to, to cause them not harm, but discomfort. The pepper spray doesn't actually hurt you. It doesn't. You're not people that are sprayed don't sustain long-term injuries. Uh, it is obviously very unpleasant. Um, but the use and there's one other I think issue that is of, of interest in the complaint that I think the courts need to weigh upon, and that is the allegation that there were again hundreds of people arrested. They were held for uh, a substantial period of time. But of course, that's a, an exigency um, not created by the police because they have to you know, sort through a lot of different people. But then they were all taken to an area controlled by the police where every single person was apparently subjected to a strip search. Uh, that included, um, to put it indelicately, you know, uh, entering uh, private parts of their bodies, which is extremely unpleasant. Um, that's something I think the Supreme Court may eventually uh, revisit again, because in 2012 there was a Supreme Court decision that upheld the the right, if you will, of, the, of jailers to conduct strip searches, but these are visual strip searches, the, the kind of um, a, a, anal probing that went on, according to the complaint in this case, is extremely humiliating. And if the police are doing that in order to punish the people that they are arresting, that would be a constitutional violation, in my opinion. Sure. George, the ACLU says the concern here is a chilling of First Amendment rights, that people won't want to come out to protest next time, even peacefully. When constitutional rights are at stake, where is the line? Is there a line drawn? Well, it's a really good question, and I don't know where and who draws that line. But I will say that uh, a day later here in Los Angeles, we had more than a million people came out to Los Angeles for a large women's counter-demonstration to the administration. 
Um, and obviously the LAPD was there, the Metro Division, but we didn't have the violence. We didn't have criminal activity. It was a remarkably peaceful protest, and none of those people are saying that their First Amendment right to protest were chilled. The, the chilling effect occurs when people are caught up in a crowd of criminals and vandals, um, and of course, in this case, self-described anarchists, whose intent appears to be to cause damage and to kind of create criminal activity. So as to those people, if they, if they claim that their First Amendment rights are chilled, uh, I'm, I'm coming out in favor of law enforcement they- on that one. Thank you, George. That's former federal prosecutor George Newhouse, a partner at Denton's. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.